think God smiles on the way that he created us all with these differences. If you would, please stand with me. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we are going to read from verse 11. Ephesians 2 and verse 11. When you got it, say so. And it says, therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are, who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained and ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace." And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who are near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fit together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in which you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for these truths, Lord God, that stand clearly before us today, Lord, that you are doing something great, Lord God, that you are bringing oneness, that you are bringing unity, and you're calling your church to lead the way, God. Father, we are living in a time where this nation needs deep healing, God. Father, and we know that the church is the answer to restore, Lord, healing, to restore, Lord God, those, those brokenness, Lord God, to bring healing. And so, Father, we pray that we would hear you clearly this morning, that your voice would be heard and that you would be glorified in and through us. Remove distractions from our minds and our hearts, Lord God. May we respond to your word. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said... Amen. You may be seen in the presence of the Lord. And so we are continuing in our series, our series, Own the Vision, Own the Vision. And we said this last week, the way that you own the vision is by living the mission. Owning the vision is by living the mission. Every week we declare, just like we did this morning when Pastor Aldo greets us and welcomes us and we're committed to loving God, growing together, serving, and reaching others. Every week we say these words. And these are not just words that are uh, memorized, you know, by some of us, or not just words that sound good, but they are words that are to remind us of what our mission is as the church, that we are to be disciples of Jesus. And what I know is that last, and I said this last week as I was praying about how I would begin the year, I know that last year, 2020, was a year where there was a lot of distraction, where there was a lot of conflicting voices and emotions and all kind of stuff that have torn us apart rather than unified us and brought us together. And so what we need to do is we need to refocus. We need to have clarity of vision and thought. And the way that we do that is by looking at what God's Word says, being reminded of what our primary responsibility is. 
being reminded of what we have been called to, what we have been called to be part of, which is this great thing that God is doing where he is calling the church to be the healer, to be the, 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 the voice of, of deliverance in this nation, in this hour. There's no question in my mind that we as the church have to understand that we, through Jesus Christ, are the only hope for this world. We are that hope for this world. The, everything we see going on, we have to realize that. Listen, the fact of the matter is this, is that many of us have put our hope in the wrong baskets. There is one basket where we need to put our hope. That's in Jesus Christ. That is in his word. He is the only savior. He is the only deliverer. And so what I know is this, is that as we read the text here, is that God, today we're talking about growing together, but God is building a dwelling place. A powerhouse, if you will, where God, of believers, and, and what I want you to realize when I say that is that where God dwells, he reigns, and where he reigns, his kingdom is manifested. Where God dwells, he reigns, and where he reigns, his kingdom is manifested. God doesn't come and dwell and not Lord as well. Are you here? See, that's the problem with some of us, right? Especially in our Americanized thinking. We vote on everything. Come on now. We, we dictate, right? This is a government of the people, for the people. I might have said it backwards, but whatever. Anyway, we, 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 I said it right. Okay, praise the Lord. Well, anyway, right? We supposedly, we tell our legislators what they're supposed to do. We know that those things are not actually factual, but nonetheless, I'll move on from that. We'll have another conversation another day on that. This morning, I want to talk about us as the church understanding the kingdom of God and realizing that when God says, and I mean, you got to see it in the text, that he is building a place where he is going to dwell, that God is saying, I am building a place where I am going to reign, a place where my kingdom, my rule is going to be manifested. When Jesus walked the earth and he said this, what he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. His rule began to be seen in this earth. His reign began to be seen in this earth. And this is my belief, church, and, I'm, and I, and I want to I make this crystal clear. First of all, I, I'm telling you what I believe to be true. I'm not giving you anything other than that. I'm telling you what I believe to be true. And I want you to understand the, the importance of this one word, and it is seemingly. And, and I want you to keep this in mind when I make this statement. But it is my belief that God has seemingly allowed the church to become socially irrelevant in order that his power become absolutely essential. Now, I do not believe that the church is socially irrelevant. I think that is a lie that the enemy is trying to feed us and make us believe. But I am saying the word seemingly. God is seemingly allowing the church to become socially irrelevant so that his power becomes absolutely essential. See, here's why I say that. It's because we have become better at advertising than we are at evangelizing. We, you, you, you go to any church growth, anything, and we're talking about advertisement. And, and, and listen, I don't have any issue with that. We try to advertise. You know, we want to use social media, but we've become much better at that. We, as, as a people, have become more, more um, we have become pragmatists instead of being prophets in our day. We're looking at the practical things, and, and I, don't have, I don't have any problem looking at practical stuff and practical issues and trying to be pragmatic and dealing with them. But church, the world doesn't need a bunch of pragmatists. The world needs prophets in this day. And not just from the pulpit, but from the pews. We need prophetic voices because you know what? You have a, you have a platform on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever it is. That is a platform for you to decide what you are going to do with your voice. Are you going to be a prophet in these days or are you just going to point out what the issues are? You know what a prophet does? A prophet comes and declares what's the solution from God's perspective. What is the answer to what we're going through? What is God communicating? Let me, let me leave, you, leave you with this one. We've become great entertainers and poor intercessors. We become wonderful. Listen, uh, were y'all blessed this morning with the worship? With the, the, was that? Can we give the Lord a hand for our music ministry? 
Listen, I, I, you know, I play, I play the keyboard. I've led, I led the music ministry for years. I know how much time it takes in order to prepare for a Sunday morning um, set of worship. But can I tell you, tell you something that, that I really have to think about? I know how much time it takes to practice and how much time it takes to rehearse. But my question really is, and I'm not necessarily questioning our people. This is a general statement. I wonder how much time our worship leaders and musicians and singers are spending on their face broken before God crying out, Lord, when I play this note, God, when I hit this, when I sing this song, Lord, let your power and your presence come forth. There are broken people in these pews. There are broken people who may hear us online. And God, I need your spirit to do something more. Hey, check this out, church. The, the world, you know, people in the world, they make people's hair stand up. Are you here? The people in the world, they make people cry. But you know what the people in the world don't do? They don't change people's hearts. And what we have to know is that our programming, everything that we do, we should want to be excellent for the Lord. But, man, it's got to be saturated in God's power. We need a church that is dependent upon the power of God Almighty. It is high time that the church, hear me when I say this, it is high time that the church stopped settling for visitations of God and started fighting for his habitation. It is time that the church stops settling for a little touch, a little hair standing, a little moment when we feel the Lord and that we begin to fight for habitation. Can I tell you something? Habitation, church, is not found on a Sunday morning. Habitation is found with us growing together. Let me say it like this. Growing together isn't simply a goal of God. I want you to think about this. Growing together isn't simply a goal of the church. It is God's building plan. Did you hear that? Growing together isn't simply a goal of the church. It's not just something that is a, a desire of Core Faith Church because we think that's a good idea. This is God's building plan. This is what God desires. This is what God says I am doing. And so I don't know, I, you know about you and what your experiences with work are and wood and all that good stuff. But for a, point, a time in my life, I used to um, frame houses. Hallelujah. It was a short period. Glory to God. And, I, and I'll actually be honest with you, I, I, love, I love working with wood. I think that it's, you know, it's fun. I like building stuff. Like, I have that kind of mind, right? Like, I, I, I like to do stuff like that. You know, believe it or not, there's other things I don't necessarily enjoy. But I love this particular job. I was a framer. And I never learned, you know, to read the blueprints or anything like that. But I knew, you know, I had a buddy there, and he was an older guy. And him and I would always, you know, we would have challenges, you know, to see who could carry the most two-by-fours and, you know, all this kind of, you know, men's stuff, you know. So, you know, we, I, I loved all that. I, I loved, you know, putting walls together. I remember the first time that I saw a, a, a nail, right? And now, now, just know, back then, this is when, like, um, you know, all of the air guns and all that kind of stuff, you know, for the nails. That's before these were really, you know, popular. They were super expensive. At, at that time, and you know, a lot of people didn't have them. So for our crew, we use what's called a hammer. Hallelujah! <laughs> right there, you go. And 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 I recall right going there, and 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 you know, because I've used a hammer before, and I knew that the, the, the way that you you know put a nail into wood was you held the nail, and then you tap tap tap, and then you you know you banged it in there, and then maybe banged your finger. But that's not fast enough when you're framing houses. You know, my boss did, he showed me something. I thought this was so awesome. It was like, it was like, a, it was like a, a, a Mr. Miyagi moment, right? I was like, wow. He came over there. He was like, Jason, let me show you this. He put his foot down on the thing. He tapped the nail in. And then he went, whap. And the nail drove in. I was like, Most amazing moment for me, right? And I was like, man, how'd you do that? Then I looked at his hammer. It was like 32 ounces, right? So it was heavy, glory to God. So I was like, okay, first of all, I need a heavier hammer, right? And so began to become more proficient with the utilization of a hammer and a nail. However, however, there was one day we're building, we, we, were, we were in the middle of framing a house. We we're doing a second floor. I was downstairs in the garage where all the wood was. And the guy that I used to always have these competitions with, he went on ahead and he yelled down a measurement to me. So I yelled back the measurement. I'm like, so this is what the measurement is. I don't remember what it was. I verified it. And then I began to do what? Measure, cut. And me, because I was trying to be proficient, I measured and cut 
every single board we needed. And then I threw them up. They were like, yo, this is quick. I'm like, yeah, man, we on it today. We going home early. Unfortunately, every single one of them was like six inches short. <sighs> Had a Jamaican friend much later in my life, probably in my 30s, he said, you measure twice, cut once. When we were building this altar, that's when I learned that, praise the Lord. When I threw those boards up there and they started to try to build, they were like, Jason, what are you doing? We called down the measurements. I'm like, yeah, and I yelled them back to you. And you said it was right. And I began to measure and I began to cut. The problem was I didn't hear correctly. You know what our problem is today, church? We're not hearing correctly. Our problem is we want to present to God what we are building instead of being part of what he is building. We, we are offering to God, saying, God, bless this. And God is saying, what is that? What, that, that, that isn't my plan. That, that, that isn't what I desire. That isn't what I'm building. That isn't the instruction. Those aren't the measurements I gave you. You're listening to the wrong voices. You're not clarifying what I'm saying. You're, see, there's confusion that comes. See, church, we have to be part of what God is doing we have to be part of what God is doing, not what we want to be part of, what God is doing. Growing together is not just some good idea. It's not just something that, you know, is a, is a goal that the church has, is a, is a checkbox that we have. No, no, no. Growing together is God's building plan, period. You and I, church, have to be part of growing together. The reason why I played the kind of, you know, psychedelic, <laughs> little bit edgy video is because we have to realize that, man, God's building plan isn't as plain as we would like to think it is. See, we're all different. We all have different backgrounds. We all come from different places. And God doesn't want us to minimize those things. He wants us to do what? Sanctify those things. He wants us to become more like him. He wants us to become like him and grow together as brothers and sisters, as brothers and brothers, as the family of God. Which brings me to my first point. Say this with me. Growing together is only possible when we recognize we're family. Growing together is only possible when we recognize we are family. Look at, verse, look at verse 19 here really quickly. I want you to see what he says. Paul says this. He says, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and this is so important, and members of the household of God. You are no longer strangers. You are now fellow citizens of what? Fellow citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are fellow citizens of the kingdom to come, but we don't just look forward to eternity. And here's the thing. We're not just looking forward to eternity to spend it together, but we are also part of the household of God. We are part of the family of God. And here is what I believe firmly is that until we until we fully embrace the magnitude of Christ's work of reconciliation, we will not become the family God has intended. Let me say that again. Until we fully embrace the magnitude of Christ's work of reconciliation, we will not become the family God has intended. Now, I know we read these verses already, but I just want us to go back because I want the scriptures to speak clearly to us. Look back to verse 11. And if you go into the context and you go to um, verse 1 and you read through there, the apostle Paul is talking. And I just encourage you, don't do it right now, but on your own time, go home. Read chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 10. And when you read through that, you know what I want you to do? I want you to know, and I'm going to give you a little, a little hint here, but one of the things, or a little help really, is whenever you see the word, just look at verse 1 real quick, it says, and you. That word and you there, that word you is not singular like you, that's plural like yous. 
That's the Greek, all right, just so you know. I just want to throw that out there for you. My point is, it is plural. It is not singular. So what I want you to do is when you read through talking about our salvation, I want you to grasp that God is speaking in the plural throughout this whole thing when he is talking about God saving us. He's not talking individual here. I'm not saying that God doesn't save individuals. What I'm saying contextually, God is pointing to what he has done for us collectively. Are you here? When he gets to verse 11, he says, therefore, this is based upon the saving work of God. Verse 11 says, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant, covenant of promises, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So pause. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying for you Gentiles in the room, for you people who are uncircumcised, for you people who are not privy to the promises and the covenants that Israel was promised, you people who don't have that heritage of being Israel, remember this. There was a time that you were strangers. There was a time that you had no hope. There was a time that you did, listen, there, there was a time that you were separated from all the promises of God. He's letting them know. There was a time. However, Jesus did what? But now Jesus Christ, who, who, you who once were far off, has brought you near by what? The blood of Christ. Church, we don't talk about the blood often. We don't speak about the power of the blood of Jesus. You know, but we have to realize that there is power in the blood of Christ. His blood washes us clean. His blood gives us new identity. His blood makes us new creation. The power of the blood delivers us from the wrath of God. The same way that the death angel passed over every home where the, where, where the, where the top of the door post was marked with the blood is the same way that God does that. God delivers us by the blood that was shed. You know what the problem is with us in the, in, in the days in which we're living? I've said this on social media. I'll say this until I see, see people embracing it. Our problem is we do not believe in the power of the gospel. As we sang these songs this morning, that first song we were talking about the name of Jesus, I was broken, tears running because, man, do we believe that? No, no, we sing it, but do we believe there is power in the name of Jesus? We declare it, we say it, we amen it, but do we believe it? Do we really believe that he is the one that brings change and transformation? What does Paul go on to say? Continue reading with me, please. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. Who has made both one. Who is the both? Jews and Gentiles. Two different groups. Because really at that time there was two different groups. You were either the covenant people or you were the non-covenant people. You were the chosen and you were the rejected. I mean that's just how it was viewed. You were the clean and you were the unclean. It was, it, it was a little bit easier than our days, right? We have like all these different ethnicities in our days, right? It's not just black and white. I'm just saying, right? I saw it out there. <laughs> it's all kind of in-betweens, you know, all, all kind of, vari you saw it, all kind of variations of shades and tones and colors, you know, dialect, you know. You look, you, you, you'll be in one place, you know, went on a missionary trip to Mexico. I remember as a youth and the pastor said, listen, there's a couple of words that you're used to saying that you cannot say because if you say them, they will offend the people who are hearing you because they mean things that you don't realize. But we're all Spanish, right? <laughs> we're all Hispanic, don't we all speak Spanish, you know, but, but, but different dialect. So we're all messed up, y'all, but, but, but look, look. <laughs> I don't know if it's like Ebonics took on, you know, the whole Spanish thing or whatever. I don't know what happened, but nonetheless, nonetheless, we have these differences, right? And, 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 and Paul is saying, what is the answer to our differences? It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer to our differences. So what does he say? He says, he himself is our peace, 
who has made both one and has done what? Broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments and ordinances, to, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Do you hear those words? Long before we had any of the issues that we're having today, Long before we had any of the infighting and all of the, the things that are going on in our, long before all that, Jesus gave us the answer. Paul says he has made one out of two. One body, one flesh, right? One, or made us one in the spirit. He made peace. And that he might reconcile, look at that, that he might re like reconcile, bring us both back, them both, not just one. See, because here's the thing. They thought they were connected, but God says, no, they need a reconciliation too. Because they were rebels in their own right. He did this. He reconciled them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. The answer to everything we're facing right now is this gospel. It is what Jesus Christ has done. Here's the fact, church, and this is fact. There is no question about this. The fact is Satan has been working overtime to divide the body. He has been working overtime to divide the body. And, 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 I, and I want you to know one of the big things, and we have to talk about this stuff in the church, but from Trayvon Martin all the way to George Floyd, these words of racism and injustice are words that are dominating many areas of our society, including the church. Why do we got to talk about this? Me and my sister Dawn, we had a good dialogue about this via text, and we, and we talked about it. And why do we have to talk about it? Because if we don't talk about it, we're not going to do anything about it. Church, if we don't discuss these issues, we are not going to be able to bring healing to our world. Like, we don't want to talk. It's kind of like, you know, when you were growing up, like some of you grew up in a household maybe where, you know, sex was like, we don't want to talk about that. Guess what? Somebody's talking about it. You can ignore it all you want, but your kid's going to be in a locker room with someone one day, or your kid's going to be somewhere, and one day, and somebody's going to talk about sex, and be like, what's that? <laughs> it's going to happen. These things are going to occur, so it is important, what? That in the house, that we talk about the issues that they're going to deal with in the world. It is important that we give them the right foundation, that we discuss how do we deal with these issues. And I want to say this, and I want to be emphatically clear about this. Racism is an issue, but it is not the root of every issue. Did you hear me? Racism is an issue, but it is not the root of every issue. And the problem that we have right now is that racism is everything, therefore it's nothing. Everything is Nothing that happens when it's, when, when it's one, you know, one color against another, it, nothing that happens, it, it, it just, it's just racism. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. That's not, that, that is a generalization of truths. And here's the fact. The fact is that any issue that we have, no matter what they are, is the gospel. That's the answer to the issues that we're facing. That's the answer. The enemy wants to divide us. And listen, you can go ahead. If you don't believe me, you don't believe me. I want you to do this. Go to Gallup. The Gallup, you know, they do polls all the time. And go ahead and look at the Gallup poll that talks about racial feelings. And you go back to like, I think it's 2005, and you look at this Gallup poll, and I think it went to 2015. And what you will notice is back in 2005, there was a certain feeling uh, among black people and among white people as far as how race relationships were doing. You fast forward to 2015, woo, we had a different place. You fast forward to 2020, come on, y'all. We're about to have civil war up in this piece. Come on now. Let's be real about it. So we have these issues. So as the family of God, here's what has to happen. You and I, and Pastor Aldo said this, and I will quote this forever and ever, we must fight for fellowship. We must fight for the oneness. Verse 19, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Let me say it again. Growing together is only possible when we recognize we are family. See, it's easy to walk out on, a, on, on an acquaintance. 
It's easy to walk out on, you know, on a neighbor that you don't really like or someone that you thought was cool. <sighs> but family? Come on now. Family? I might curse you out. I might unfriend you. Glory to God. Come on now. <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> I, might, I might ban you from my house. Come on now. I may cut you off from whatever. But, man, we family. And when it comes down to it, we're family. We're family. I may have tough conversations with you. That's what family does. We don't walk away from each other. We don't just disown each other. We don't reject each other because we think differently. Come on now. How many of y'all got brothers and sisters? Raise your hand real quick. Real quick, 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 quick. All right, we got up there. Let me ask you a question. How many of you think exactly the same as your brothers and sisters? Raise your hand. Quick, quick, quick. Get them up. Get them up. Get them up. Get them up. Nobody. You know why? Because we don't. Not even in the same family. Not even raised by the same mom and dad do we think the same. What makes you think that we're going to think the same in the church? Come on now. But you know what we got to come to terms with? This book. See, here is where we have to come to terms. And that brings me to my second point. Say it with me. Growing together is only possible when our foundation is the same. Growing together is only possible when our foundation is the same. Look at verse 20. He says this. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets... Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Let's read it in context here. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Again, I need to be clear. The enemy has been working overtime through false prophets, through false teachers, and through divisive words of secularly influenced anthropologists to bring greater division. You got to hear me. You got to hear me. So I did this little survey for you guys. Y'all, let me look real quick. Any of you participate in the survey, just raise your hand. I don't know what you, I don't know what you answered. I just, I just want to know if you participated. Thank you. Thank you for participating. It's the first survey I ever made public. And so here's what the survey question was, okay? So I asked this question. I said, is... This a racist statement? The question I ask, is this a racist statement? And so here was the, here was the question, right? Here, here was what the, the question was. White people must constantly cultivate humility in order to acknowledge their complicity in racism and engage in the process of repentance and repair. Now, some of you are like, nah, Bishop, that wasn't your question. You're right. I said Hispanic people is what I did. You know why? Because I'm Hispanic. And I wanted my Hispanic friends and family members, I wanted them to take it personal. What I wanted them to do was think, because if I put up their black people, hold on a second. But it says white people. See, the actual quote, the only thing I changed was the first word. And, and here, here's what the response was, just so you know. The response to this, it was, there was 51 people who actually responded. 71% said yes. They felt it was a racial statement. 29% said no. And I'm okay with differing opinions. I want you to know what my opinion is on it. I just want you to think about this with me. The reason why I say yes, I don't just think this is a racist statement. More so, I think this is a divisive statement. Let me tell you why. Look, 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 look at the quote with me. White people. That's a generalization. That's what our culture wants us to think. Listen, I don't want everybody to think, oh, Hispanics are always late. I hate that junk. Hello. I cannot stand that, even when I'm late, glory to God. I still don't want them to generalize like that. Because 99% of the time, I am on time or early. Come on now. Now, do my people have island time issues? Yes, they do. Come on. Anybody who has their origins in an island, they're an island time man, you know? I'm, anyway, anyway, that wasn't Spanish, you know, but, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Listen, the fact is we all have these issues, right? There are some issues. But, man, that's a generalization. That's offensive. Oh, Spanish people, they're all this, you know, Spanish people. What, what, shut up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. There, there, there may be some things that, that happen there, and I know, and listen, and, and, and just, in, in case you want to read the book, I think the, 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 the book is there, How to Fight Racism. That's not how you fight racism. Just generalize. Every white person on the planet, you're just racist. 
Every black person on the planet, you're just racist. Every Spanish person, and listen, I've said this, I've said this to Dom. We're the most bigoted and, you know, and, and, and you know, just, just, just messed up Spanish folks. We don't like each other. Come on now. Right? Everybody knows, like, Puerto Ricans are the best, right? Don't they know that, right? I'm just. No, 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 Mexicans are really the best, right? Nah. Or Dominicans or Cubans or where, wherever you're from, right? Like, like that, like, we, we know that. I remember having a conversation with one of my brothers. He was Dominican, and he's like, we're Christians. And, and I'm, I'm going to let you know, when I, was, when I was not a Christian, I was not like, you know, Puerto Rico. Oh, I, I wasn't that guy. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, I know you Puerto Ricans don't like Dominicans. I'm like, what? Like, I had plenty of Dominican friends. I, you know, I, I was in a, in, a, in, a, in a mixed up place. So I, I didn't have this thought process that I was better than you and all, all this type stuff. There, you know, there, there, there's this divisiveness that is coming at us. And church, we have to realize this. We have to, we have to recognize what is coming our way. And we, I would say this, I would say we can't be complicit with all the mess that is going on. It's not just one group of people that's got a problem. All of us have issues. All of us have issues. And if we're not willing to repent of our issues, see, I don't need to repent for my daddy's issues. Come on now. Listen, let, let, let's not get it twisted. We have major issues in this nation's history. Can I get an amen? amen. Slavery was a real thing. Let me tell you like this. Let me, let me bring, this here, bring this home for you. And Christians who were super passionate and super um, indoctrinated with truth, they were complicit in continuing on this, you know, this messed up thing. But can I tell you something else? Let's bring it home. Those other Christians that had the word of God, they were the ones who were standing up against these lies and were the ones to lead the way to break us free from our past. So for the Christians, for the brothers and sisters that rose up, they need to repent for what these other people were doing wrong? No. I need to repent, church. We need to repent of our complicity and, and being part of the division within our culture. See, the problem is we are building upon the wrong foundation. We're building upon the wrong foundation. We're told what? This, these are some things that we've been told. These are these false prophets and false teachers. We've been told this, and listen, I know some of this stuff's going to offend you guys. I love you, but I, you need to hear this. We've been told we need a woman's perspective to understand the Bible correctly. That's what we've been told, that if I don't get a woman in a room to help me understand doctrine, I cannot understand the Bible correctly. Really? Ladies, I love you. Hear what I'm going to say. I love you. I value you. I think you are great. But I don't think your gender is going to make you understand the Bible better than someone else. Okay, let me, let, let me give you another one that we've heard. Another one that we've heard is there is no such thing as a biblical worldview apart from salvation through Christ. There's no such thing as a biblical worldview apart from salvation in Christ. In other words, the only thing that the Bible says is universal for anyone is that you can only be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Hmm. So I guess husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. That's not universal to all men that are married. No, because that would be a biblical worldview. Wives submitting to your husbands and respecting Nope, that's not for all. That's, that's, that, 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 that'd be a biblical worldview. Parents raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Nope, nope, nope. That's, that's not universal because that'd be a biblical worldview. The way that we're supposed to live as neighbors and, wait a second, you see, that, that's a lie. It's not true. I hate to tell you this, and, and this is, the, I'm not even going to say that. I'm, I'm going to move on. I don't want to offend anybody anymore, anymore unnecessarily. This is another one that we've been hearing Hearing a lot lately. <laughs> Theology has to be understood through the experiences of oppressed groups. Listen, I have a, I have a, theology has to be understood through the lens of oppressed groups. 
I have a master, a master thesis I got to do. Y'all pray for me. Glory to God. I'm trying to finish by May. And what I'm going to do my master thesis in so I can really dig into this, so I can really offer it. And, you know, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm doing this for you more than anyone else. I'm doing this because I don't want you to be duped into this, into this ideology of this critical theory that's out there, this critical race theory that is dominating public conversation. I want, you to, I want you to wrestle with this like I'm going to wrestle with it. I'm going to put it on paper. And you know what? I'm going in there with an open mind in the sense that I want to see what the foundation is. I want to see what the, because I don't know this. I do not know the origins of the writings. I don't know that. I'm going to dig into that. What I do know is how they affect and how they bring division. And they're not helpful in promoting kingdom unity. That's what I know. But here's what I want you to realize is that every single thing that I just said is important. We need to understand what, what has happened through, our, through, through brothers and sisters that have been hurt, that have been oppressed, that have gone through hardship. I, I said this when, when the George Floyd deal has happened. Listen, black people on this earth, they have a history that, met, that, that none of us have in the United States of America. I made it crystal clear. Black people are the only one that have in their history being persecuted on American soil for their faith. The only group. Because no other group was having their churches burnt down or having crosses burned in front of their yards. That is not factual for every group. It's just truth. But what I want you to know is that theology, I said in American soil, I'm not talking about other soil. You go to China, you go to other places, there's plenty of oppression, there's plenty of stuff that's happening over there, persecution that is occurring. But what, but, but, but what I want to make clear, and this is what I've heard many black scholars that have communicated this, crystal clear, the scriptures were written well before any of that. And so God's theology, God's way of thinking, God's way of reasoning, that was long before any of this stuff. So how can we interpret the Bible through these experiences? We can't. We can look at history and we can say, man, y'all missed it. Amen? We can say that. We can say the, the, the United States of America missed some stuff in their history. I, 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 we have to value the opinions and the thoughts of those that are within our congregation. But here's the thing. We need to realize that none of those things have a bearing upon the interpretation of Scripture. Church, you, you need to hear this. That is our great struggle in this moment. It is how are we going to interpret the Bible are we going to interpret Scripture through the lens of experience, or are we going to look way long before any of us had any experience and look at what the original inspiration was about? That's what we have to do. The third thing, I ask you to repeat after me, is this, say, growing together, together. is only possible when we understand our fitting. Growing together is only possible when we understand our fitting. In other words, how we fit. How God is fitting us into the body. How God is fitting us together as family. How is God doing this? Look at what Paul says in verse 21 to verse 22. He says, in whom the whole body being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit church. We are our best when we celebrate our diversity in unity. We are at our best when we can celebrate the differences of one another. When we can rejoice in the different experiences that we bring to the table. When Listen, when I get around brothers, when I, when I sit down with them, I know that I have experiences that other men do not. And they have experiences that I do not. We were over here, we, we were at um, Jeff's house yesterday. We were sitting around and we were talking about, you know, bikes and all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, skiing. And we were talking about all these great things that guys love to do. And, and as I was sitting there, I said, listen, I am not an expert in any of this. But I have brothers that are. Amen. I don't know, I, I don't know enough. I, I desire to be an expert in this book. This is what I desire to be an expert in. Not because I'm more holy than anyone, it's because I don't have time to be an expert in everything. Hello. There's other guys who have experiences, they've done things that I've never done, so I can lean on them and I can say, man, tell me about your experience. You know, if it has to do with a bike, tell me about these parts. If it has to do with a battery, hallelujah, tell me how this battery works. Whatever it has to do with, we can have conversation, and they can help me to be a better me, and that way I'm not ignorant. Hello, somebody. 
The other day I went and I, you know, we, we started biking. And so I decided that I was, I'm just going to show you my ignorance for a moment and I'm going to wrap up here. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, we're riding and so I need to get a bike rack for the back of my vehicle, right? And so I'm thinking, I just got to buy this part, right, that, you know, that goes on the car and it's going to come with this little square thing that I put it in. I thought that. That's what I thought. I'm just letting you know. I'm not a mechanic, guys. I know some of you are laughing at me right now. You're going to laugh a little bit more. So I was like, man, I got to buy that piece that I connect this to. So again, I'm thinking it's like this big, right? And it's like, like in the bottom of the frame. Like, you know, I'm thinking, you know, the people who invented this, they, they put these holes that are there in case you want to. This is in my head. I come to find out the piece is like this big, right? And so I'm like, okay, so I go to, you know, Facebook Marketplace, and I look up, you know, trailer hitches and all this kind of stuff, and one pops up, and I'm like, okay. So I go, and I didn't realize, because I am not an expert in any of this, I didn't realize that there was this number that meant something next to this description. In the description, it was a trailer hitch. I'm like, okay, this sounds good, 40 bucks. I think I'll be okay. And so I went, I put in my, you know, my vehicle type, this type of hitch, this brand pops up, right? When I, Because remember, when I searched, I put my vehicle type, this brand, this class of hitch, guess what pops up? My hitch. I'm like, okay, that's the right hitch. Never did I notice a different number until I was at Jonathan Reyes' house, hallelujah, with my new hitch that I was so excited about, and he's under my car, and I'm like, hey, man, here's the hitch. And when he's like, Bishop, I don't think this fits your car. <laughs> I now have the new hitch. Praise the Lord, I got the right one. So if anybody has a Forester and you need a hitch, please let me know, and I will hook you up. <laughs> You see, if I would have called one of my brothers and I would have been like, yo, Jeff, let me ask you a question. You think this will work? He'd be like, nah, Bishop, you need this, right? But I didn't call anyone. Now I know when I'm in waters that I'm unfamiliar with, guess what I'm doing? Hey, hey, brothers, do you know what, what I need to do here? We are at our best when we celebrate our diversity in unity. God saved us from our sin and brought us together from diverse backgrounds with different experiences, different struggles, different aspirations, and yet he is fitting us together for a dwelling place. Church, we cannot allow our differences to lead the way. The cross must lead the way. The word of God must lead the way. The work of God must lead the way because if we don't allow God to lead the way, we will continue to pull away. Are you here? We'll continue to pull away from one another. Growing together requires this, and this is very important. Growing together requires our identity in Christ to supersede every other source of identity we have embraced. Let me say it again. Growing together requires our identity in Christ to supersede every other source of identity we have embraced. I tell you the story I've said it a couple of times, my beautiful daughter, she's sitting here. I don't recall how old she was, but her uncle one day was, was telling her that she was Puerto Rican. And she argued with her brother, her, her uncle vehemently and said, no, I'm not. I'm a Christian. And, and, and you know, if you know my daughter, she argued vehemently, no, I'm not. I am a Christian. Now, I want to tell you this. It's not like we, we trained her to say, whenever, whenever someone tells you you're a Puerto Rican, you say, no, you're a Christian. I also want you to know that, I listen, I, I love, you know, my, my heritage, and I appreciate, you know, everything that I come from as being Puerto Rican, and so I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, I don't rock the Puerto Rican flag, but you know how it goes, but, you know, but, but I wasn't, I'm not anti-Puerto Rican. Come on now. I'm not anti-anything, right? I'm anti-antichrist. Hello, somebody. That's what I am. I'm anti the works of the enemy, the plans of darkness. Nonetheless, my point is, church, before you are anything else, you need to be a Christ follower. Before you are a man, before you are a woman, before you are a, you know, whatever your ethnicity is, whatever the color of your skin is, whatever degree you have, whatever job you have, what, listen, whatever it is, before any of that, you need to be a follower of Christ. You need to be a Christian. It doesn't mean that I ignore any of those things I just said. That's not what I'm saying. Don't hear that. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. The problem is we make those other things idols. 
We make those other things where our identity is. Our identity needs to be in Christ. If not, here's the problem. We short-circuit the building plan of God. God is building a dwelling place. He's building a dwelling place. He's building a place where he can dwell, not just on Sunday mornings, church. And let me, let, let me wrap up with this because here's my closing question for you. Are you committed to growing together? See, I've laid out for you how important it is to grow together. But what I want to say is that we have many opportunities for you to grow together. Are you committed to growing together? Are you committed to your brothers and your sisters? Are you committed to meeting and getting to know new brothers and sisters? Are you committed? We, we, we have our Core Connect Life groups. They just started. Listen, I hope that this message right here will provoke you to talk to Pastor Aldo if you're not part of a Core Connect Life group and get connected. Why? Because that is one of the main methods that we have decided is going to help us get to know each other. It's not meant to be some clicks. It's not meant to create some kind of division. It's meant for us to mimic and follow after what we find in Acts chapter 2. That they continued in the apostles' doctrine and prayer and the breaking of bread from house to house. And that they were together. That's what the church did. That's what the first century church did. They were one. They were connecting. We have other activities that we can do together. But let me tell you one thing that I think is so important. You need, you need to pause. Don't just run out. You need to pause. Look at Right today would be a great opportunity for you to do this. Just go up to someone you don't know and just invite them to dinner. It doesn't have to be today. Exchange numbers and say, hey, man, you know what? I want to get to know you. I want to get to know the other brothers and sisters in this place. I can assure you you don't know every face in here. You may know most, but find the ones you don't. And don't just be comfortable with the people you're comfortable around. One person said this, and I don't know who it was. I, can't, I, can't, I cannot remember who it was, but he was talking about diversity. I think it was when we, we were on our retreat maybe. But he said, man, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're dining, if your dining table doesn't have diversity there, you're not going to see diversity in the church. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word that is true. We thank you so much for your grace, your power. And, Lord, we humble, humble our hearts before you in this moment. God, as we prepare to partake of communion, let us honor you in our hearts and our minds. Let us honor you in our understanding of your body. Father, glorify yourself in us. Let us not be comfortable where we are, but God, let us move further. Let us move beyond our comfort in order to enjoy the diversity that you offer in your body. Father, we pray these things. We ask you to help us, God, not for our sake, but God, for this world's sake. Lord, you have placed us here. This world needs healing. And through us, you are this world's hope. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you don't have communion, just raise your hand. The ushers will bring you a communion.